girl. Well read. Didn't she read that well? Some tough words in there and she nailed it. She was so good, she's doing it again next week. Good morning, everyone. I feel like a stranger in my own church. I haven't been here. Come more often. It's a good idea. I haven't been here for a couple of weeks and it feels like I've been away about six months. We were at Hertford Street a couple of weeks ago and then last Sunday we were babysitting looking after our two perfect grandchildren. (coughs) You got something you want to say? (laughs) So we had uh, a wonderful time with them, um, but it's always good to be home, isn't it? Good to be back in the fellowship of God's church and God's people that you're used to. I've got two announcements I want to give before... I pray and then we're going to jump into this passage Um, and you're going to get the full message. Uh, The 10.30 service might get a shortened version of it, I'm not sure, there's a long way to go. Uh, I should have, I didn't, but I should have turned this into like three talks. So you're getting three talks in one to make up for the last two Sundays. (laughs) That's that's not it at all. There's a lot of information I'm going to give you this morning and so I encourage you to listen but filter. Listen, if it's for you, then grab hold of it. If it's not for you, just let it slide by. Um, I'll go through the passage, then I'm going to apply it, about four or five points, and there are three sections. I'll explain this to you again. And then at the end, I'm going to summarise it. So if you've ever drunk from a fire hose, that's what this morning's going to be like a little bit. My two announcements are, number one, Pastor Tracy is away overseas at the moment. Some of you would have got an email from the church office explaining some of that. Pastor Tracy is attending an Alpha conference It goes for a week. She's also added to that about another week or two of annual leave because she has family who have just moved across to England, so it's a great time for her to connect with them as well. And then while they found out that she was coming, she also has a preaching engagement in some church over there. So while she's away, she's at the Alpha Conference, which is part of the training for her that we're supporting her in doing. And then initially, Glenn was going to go as well, but that didn't work out, so they'll do it again some other time. And their daughter and son-in-law, I think it is, had moved across to London, so they're visiting and connecting with them. And on top of that, she's not only away, when she comes back, at about end of May, maybe end of June, new financial year, she has again been approached by QB. Remember last year when she was here, she was working, I think, two days a week with QB, and she was able to come and help us out for the another couple of days and helped us really well, so... We're really pleased that we're able to call it full-time. Well, QB have approached her again for the same reason. Sally Contessi, who is the lady in charge of children and families, is again expecting and has gone on maternity leave. And So again, Tracy's put up a hand and QB, surprise, surprise, said, well, you'd be great to have, I'd reckon. So Tracy will be doing that two days a week again and three days a week here. Of course... She's five days a week here, but she, so what she could do in five days, she can't do in three days. So some things are going to not be dropped, but they're going to be reduced. Instead of her seeing perhaps some of the ministry leaders like once a month or for some of them once a week, it might be now once a term. Some of the other elders are going to step up. Coralie particularly is going to help Pastor Tracy with some of the children's stuff. But there won't be too much that she will not be doing that she set out at the beginning of this year to do. Um, Because what she was going to do here, she's now going to be doing in other QB churches as well, and vice versa. Things she does in other QB churches, she'll bring back home here. So does that make sense? 
So pray for her. Um, she's uh, she... Glenn's at home probably listening to this. Tracy's a workaholic. I wouldn't put it beyond her to do five days' work in three days. She goes to bed very late. She works long hours. She's highly capable and very efficient in what she does. But of course, she loves, her strength is the one-on-one stuff. That's where she's very strong. So pray for her to have a good work balance. Every now and again, I keep asking her what's her husband's name, and so far she's got it right every time. <laughs> um, but that's one of the faults of being a pastor. It's one of the, you, you're in your dream job. Amen, Charlie? <laughs> the answer's yes. Um, <laughs> And so you don't mind spending lots of extra hours and hours and hours, and I've been doing this for over 40 years now, which is a long time. There is a cost, and it's usually the family that pays the cost, because you're so busy out dealing with other people all the time, it's the, in our case, it's our wives staying home and who raised the kids, and Rhonda did that with our kids, which is why we have two outstanding um, Australian citizens who follow the Lord Jesus and their family. It's got nothing to do with me, it's got everything to do with Rhonda. You can see what God's done. He said, Daryl, just step aside. We'll get Rhonda to look after the kids and keep you out of harm's way. So pay for Pastor Tracy. Uh, some of her workload obviously will reduce, but she will perform all of the things that she said at the beginning. That's the first announcement. Second announcement. You would also be aware, you would have received notification of this, that our board uh, is aware of the fact that I'm not as young as I used to be. <coughs> They're sharp. <laughs> in fact I wasn't at this board meeting it was said after I had left the board meeting that the board said as our chair of the board Leona said at our members meeting at the end of last year that Daryl is still young he's still sharp and he's still en- energised to which one of the other board members said I wouldn't say sharp I'd say more round of <laughs> Pray for that board member, that God. <laughs> so uh, we've been here at the end of May. Uh, we're, Rhonda and I have been uh, here at Sunnybank for 20 years. Wow. It's a shock, isn't it? <laughs> it's gone very quickly. So obviously our time is going to come to an end. We don't know when exactly, but it is coming. So it could be the end of this year. It could be sometime in the early of New Year. I have about six months long service leave before I finish, um, something like that. And Rhonda is pestering me that she wants to travel and, you know, she wants me to stop. And... <laughs> I'm not looking over there. <laughs> no, Rhonda's not wanting me to stop. She's very encouraging and supportive. I said to her, you know, some pastors go until they, they're 80 and they die in the pulpit. I said, I think I should do that. (laughs) To which she laughed and she said, they won't let you. (laughs) (coughs) Very true. Uh, It's always been our intention that when we finish ministry that we would, I want to hit the, we want to hit the finish line running. We don't want to finish it staggering and falling over at the end. And I do not want to be, I've said this to all the leaders, not every year, but gee, in every church I've been in and most of the years I've been here, I've said to the leaders, when it's time for me to go, tell me. I don't want to be the pastor. It's like, he should have left about three years ago. (laughs) I don't want to be that person. So we're here, we love Sunnybank, and we're still here, and we're here for all of this year.
And then God will make it clear when that's coming. And as he makes that clearer to us, there are a couple of little loose ends that come together and then when we get that, then I'll tell the board and then we'll inform the members as well. So what have we done? We've put together a pastoral search committee. There's about 10 people on it. Um, the names will be released to you. That's not a secret. You can know who they are. Um, and particularly, I'll name two of them, Jeff Keevers, who was here this morning, and Andrew Pierce, who is normally here in this service, but is not this morning. And I bet he's home watching the NFL draft. I bet you that's what he's... No, I don't know that he's doing that. I think he's away on a family function, actually, with the McCullers. So Jeff and Andrew, who are board members, are on the pastoral search committee, and you can approach them with recommendations. So we're looking for a new senior pastor. That's what all this means. We're advertising Australia-wide. We're asking all of the Baptist unions in all of the states to, to maybe to apply and then to consider. You're not going to get another me. I know you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I hope you get a younger, more energetic um, and a highly capable pastor who, who will transition the church to the next level. I think God has got good intentions for us and the church is on an upward swing at the moment. Good things are happening and the board's very keen for that to continue. Okay, so please pray with us about that. Pray for that pastoral search committee. Um, don't get upset, we're still here. And if God says to us, Daryl, I want you to continue, then we will continue. Um, and I'll apply for the job. <laughs> no, no, no. I won't do that. Want to pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God who orders our steps, directs our paths, watches over us. We ask now that you would speak truth into each of our lives. We pray for Pastor Tracy in England. Bless her as she attends the Alpha Conference and attends family and serves you in preaching and bring her home safe. We thank you for her and for this opportunity she has to serve the wider work of um, Baptists in Queensland. Lord, thank you for bringing her and Glenn to Sunnybank. We thank you for them. And I want to commit them to you and pray for your ongoing blessing and energising and empowering. She's and he are such a gift to us as a church. Thank you for that. And I pray for the pastoral search committee. Lord, give them wisdom. And may you even now be working in the heart of the person that you're going to call. Call someone, Lord, that's going to be exactly right for this church. We know that you love us and that you will do exactly that. Help us to be listening to you. So too for us this morning, Lord, help us to be listening to you as we work through this portion and learn some more truths about being your chosen instruments in serving you. We ask and pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, divine guidance and divine appointments. Divine guidance and appointments. Sometimes God works in incredibly strange ways, doesn't he? God often works in the very normal, the very ordinary circumstances and situations of life. And it's because it's like normal, you can miss it. And often it's in looking back that you'll, you'll perceive the hand of God in it. But occasionally God does weird stuff. Sometimes that's just to tap us on the shoulder or sometimes it's just for us to be delighted and excited by what God can do. There was a man, C.H. Spurgeon tells this story, who um, wasn't a believer, but he loved singing. 
and he loved the singing in the church in the chapel so he wanted to go to the chapel on Sunday and listen to the singing but he didn't like the preaching he didn't like listening to the people person doing the bible talk so when he went to the chapel to listen to it he would enjoy the singing and when it came for this part of the service he would sit there with his fingers in his ears so he couldn't hear a thing God sent an insect to land on the man's nose and at some point he had to take a finger out of his ear and wave the insect away and as soon as he took the as soon as he took the finger out of his ear he heard the preacher say he who has ears to hear let him hear and he listened got converted weird there was a missionary who tells a story when he was overseas uh, in the church uh, a lady would come every Sunday but when she would come she would come and sit down the front and she would sit in the aisle and she always came with the dog the dog would sit beside her participate in the service at the end of the service the pastor would always call people to come forward for prayer or for whatever and she would always come forward and she would kneel and he would pray for her and the dog would come with her and kneel beside her and you know the service they would go home the dog would go with her to week prayer meetings and to the Sunday night service the husband was a bit of a brute he wasn't a Christian and so he used to belt her and one time he belted her so badly that she died in the country where they lived that was not illegal so he was not arrested but now he is left alone at home with the dog and the dog started doing strange things the man noticed on every Sunday morning he would be gone for about two hours. Then he would be home again. It would be repeated Sunday evening, be gone for a couple of hours and then be home again. And then even on Wednesday night, the dog would be gone for several hours during Wednesday night. This got the better of the curiosity of the man. He hadn't put two and two together. So he decided to follow the dog. The dog, of course, went to the chapel on Sunday morning, sat in the aisle in the seat where his wife, the man's wife used to sit, at the end of the service, when the pastor gave the prayer to come forward, the, come forward for prayer, the dog would come forward and kneel, sit down where he sat before, and the pastor would pray, and then he would go home. Wednesday night at the midweek service prayer meeting, the dog would come back and attend that and so on. The man was so moved by that that he ends up becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus. God can use insects and dogs. Weird, eh? It's not always weird stuff. Pastor and his wife got up one morning and as they drove, they simply prayed to the Lord, Lord, direct our steps this day and take us to someone whom we can share the gospel with. And they're driving out towards the beach at northwest Los Angeles in California. As they drove up the canyon, the muffler on the car fell off. It happened to fall off exactly outside the shack of a beach hippie person who was into drugs and immorality and everything else. So the pastor went and knocked on the door, explained the situation to him, and through a conversation with that guy, that guy becomes a Christian. God can work through insects and dogs and mufflers falling off cars. Strange. Well, in Acts chapter 16, we have all sorts of descriptions and encounters of how the Holy Spirit worked with the Apostle Paul and his team. The battery on this must be flat. Just move it for me, Derek. Thanks. Next. I've done that. 
thanks. There are three parts to what I, I want to talk to you this morning. The three paragraphs of this chapter 16. This is the, no, stay there. You didn't have to say that publicly. <laughs> <coughs> I'll see you tomorrow. No, oh, I won't. <laughs> Public holiday. How God works. Yes. <laughs> the Lord directs our paths. That's verses 6 to 9. Verses 11 to 34, I'll tell you the other two now. There are three God-given encounters. And in verses 35 to 40, it's what to do when you have been wronged. When you've been falsely accused, you've been mistreated, you've been unjustly treated, whatever, what do you do? And this paragraph gives us something quick, so we've got a long way to go. So, first paragraph, verses 6 to 10, the Lord is the one who directs our paths and our steps. Paul and his companions, Silas, travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They're on their second missionary journey. They're heading northwest and they want to go into both Phrygia and Galatia a little bit up to the right, up to the north. And the Holy Spirit says no. So they continue to move in the direction they're going, but they head now, um, or they try to go northeast also, the next bit says. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, which is way up north. But the Spirit of God again wouldn't allow them to do it. What's going on? The Holy Spirit is closing doors. I don't want you to go there yet. They will go there, but it's not at this time. So they pass through Mycenae, which is heading down towards the coast, and they go to a little town on the, on the coast called Troas, which nobody ever goes there. There's nothing there. They obviously went there, I think, to pause and to wait and say, God, what do you want us to do? Interesting, the Apostle Paul one of the most dynamic Christians of all time. If you had have asked him at this point, Lord, uh, Paul, what does the Lord want you to do? He's going to go, I don't know. I'm trying to find places to share the gospel with and he keeps closing doors. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know what God wants me to do. Sometimes God guides us. It's a process. It's not instant. But sometimes it is instant. There's a mystery to this. There's no hard and fast rules and you've just got to go with the flow. When they're in Troas, during the night, Paul had a vision. And of the vision, it was a man of Macedonia, Greek-looking man, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. The best way to help people is to share the gospel with them. Now note this, that was a vision that Paul concluded was God speaking to him. Verse 10 says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready... Notice the we got ready to at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. A vision from God. Paul discussed that with the team the next morning. And they put two and two together, which is what concluding means. It comes together. And they came to the conclusion that God must want us to go to Greece. So instead of going into Asia, to the north, and all of where, what we would call Turkey and up, all the way up to the Black Sea. He wants them to cross the Aegean Sea and to go to Greece, to Macedonia and so on. God's timing and God's placing. I want you to notice the word we. First time it appears in the book of Acts. It appears again on several other occasions. The we, who is the author of Acts? Luke. The we, Luke is now including himself. 
Up until then, it's they. Paul and his companions, they. In verse 10, in Troas, is where Luke comes and joins Paul. In Troas. Where has Luke come from? Most Bible scholars say that he's come from Philippi. Why Philippi? Because in Philippi, they have a a medical training centre. What was Luke? A physician. Was Luke the man of Macedonia that Paul saw in his vision? Well, we don't know who it was. But it's interesting. We got ready to concluding God had called us to share the gospel to them. What do we learn from this? Well, firstly, before I go to the applications, why was the Holy Spirit forbidding them? How was he doing that? Well, we're not told. So we need to be open to all sorts of ways that God does guide us. Was it there was no peace in their heart? You would have had that experience where you just feel uneasy. You don't feel this is right. Uh, Should I buy this or should I go there or should um, I marry that person? And if there's peace in your heart, you feel, okay, God is allowing this to happen. Or if you're uneasy about it, you've got to pause and question. It could have been political issues going on. The borders could have been closed. There could have been physical circumstances like floods or other things happening. That it wasn't suitable to go into these areas just yet. Could have been direct, direct revelation. The Holy Spirit said to them, I don't want you to do it. It's also very likely that Paul was sick. Certainly in the book of Galatians, he talks about having eye infections and eye problems and so on. And in God's providence, Luke, a doctor, comes to Troas where Paul now is and gets treated and so on. There he has the vision to go across. God guides us in all different sorts of ways. And knowing God's will sometimes is like driving in the fog. God gives us just enough light just to see the next step in front of us. And he wants you to take the next step and then he'll give you the next step. What we want is where are we going? What's going to happen? And God doesn't usually work that way at all. I want you to do this. Then when we've done it, now I want you to do this. And notice the Apostle Paul, when he got a closed door, when the Holy Spirit somehow indicated, no, not there, he kept moving. He didn't stop. Then he tried there, and the Holy Spirit said, no, not there. So they go down there, and then they get this instant revelation, concluding, oh, we've got to go that way. (coughs) That's how the Holy Spirit did it then. And in different ways, at different times in the Apostle's life, so too in ours. So, let God guide you. Uh, Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, said, God gently leads his children along. Me? He yanks. <laughs> you ever been yanked by the Lord? It's like, hmm. suddenly, I want you to change course, I want you to do this. I had that experience for me several times in, in my walk with the Lord Jesus where I thought I was going to be doing this and directions had changed. Whether it was quickly or slowly, various changes over various times. God's sovereign spirit guides us to the right opportunities for sharing. Wasn't right? Wasn't right. In a minute, we're going to read about a lady called Lydia. Lydia comes from Thyatira. Thyatira is in Asia. But she's not at home in Thyatira. She's over in Philippi. Interesting. God says to Paul, don't go there. I want you to go there. He's particularly after Lydia, not only, but particularly. God's Spirit guides you through closed doors, through circumstances of life. Guidance and opportunities comes to those who are already serving the Lord. It's easier to steer a moving car, isn't it? So keep moving with the Lord. Be involved with him, serving him, and God can easily redirect you. 
rather than being stationary, waiting on God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And until you tell me, I'm not doing anything. God often directs moving people, people who are already involved in serving him, who are demonstrating their availability to him. The Lord closes doors in, uh, in our walk with him. We ought to be used to that and not be... It can be very disappointing. It can be frustrating. But at the end of the day, keep your eyes on him, that he's sovereign and he's got a good purpose for it. You don't understand that at the time, but you will in the long run. Let God close doors. And when God closes doors, don't try climbing in through windows. And don't keep your eyes on the closed door and miss the door that's just opened down the road. It's walk with him. God's leading can be gradual, as I said, or in this case, it can also be instant. It's when they got to Troas that suddenly then God says that. Why didn't God say that like weeks before? Why didn't he give the vision of go to Macedonia? I don't know. There's a reason. God working things out. God rearranging circumstances. Let's move on. Um, when you do get God's vision, like the Apostle Paul does here, check it with other believers. That's wise. God doesn't expect us to get... If he says something to us, then he'll, have, he'll confirm that. He expects us to use our mind and our reason and our wisdom. And if you know the vision is from God, then you'll be obedient to it and other believers will confirm that for you. You've got to be wise and discerning. Here's a very... Oh, I'm going to run out of time. Here's a very personal story. We had a house before we went into ministry when we were teachers. <coughs> and when God called us into ministry, we both felt the Lord said to us, sell the house. Everybody in the Baptist Union and a lot of our friends and colleagues said, don't sell the house. It's a great resource to have. And in time, it'll be you know, a good backup for you. We had no peace in our hearts about it. We just thought... God is telling us to sell the house and everybody around us is saying, don't sell the house. What's the way of wisdom here? We had friends came, and they came from Queensland actually, they moved to New South Wales and we ended up mentoring them and, and discipling them initially and they had a similar experience to us and they said, if God is telling you to sell the house, then be obedient, put it on the market, but don't be greedy. Sell it for what you think is a fair and reasonable price. Don't be greedy. So we did. We put it on the market. We dropped it by several thousand dollars back in those days. And I, and I can't remember the timing, but it, within a very short period of time, the house sold. And we had immediate peace that God then said to us, what I want you to do is to trust me. God knows me. I would have been trusting in having that house as my security. And God was calling us and saying, I don't want you to trust in having your own possessions or your own income or any of that sort of stuff. I want you to trust me. And for the last 40 years, that's what we've done. And it's not until the last 10, 14 years ago that God opened the door for us to build our own house here in Brisbane. So God was faithful and he kept his promise. We shared our vision with other believers. Some of the other believers were simply saying, no, do this, but you've got to be discerning. Other believers came along who were more, I think, in tune with the spirit and they confirmed it with us and God led us. God led those people across our path. That's probably enough, isn't it, for today? Let's take a very fast drink. From there we travelled to Philippi, which is a Roman colony, which means all sorts of benefits and so on. The leading city of that district stayed there a couple of days. 
There were not 10 men in the city of Philippi, so they couldn't have a synagogue. So on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer because of Jewish practices and rituals and washings and stuff. They need to be beside a river moving water. It flows into a bath-type container and it flows out. It has to be living water or moving water. We sat down and we just began to have a chat, conversation, that's what the word means, with the women who had gathered there. Then looks what happens. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira. Her name was Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth, very, very expensive. This is a wealthy lady. She's a businesswoman. We never read about her husband, so whether she was a widow or single or whatever, she had a household, be that children or certainly servants with her. God had already been working in her heart. She was a worshipper of God. She followed the ways of the Jewish belief, believing in the one true God. The Lord opened her heart. God worked in her to respond to Paul's message. She, note this, she's a smart business lady. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. She said, if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, if you consider me to be faithful, then come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. How do you say no to that? Because if you don't come, so you don't consider me to be a believer or to be faithful. And she obviously had a house big enough to cater for those four extra missionaries who were now coming. Once we were going once, so that's the first encounter, Lydia. Then perhaps on another Sabbath, going out to the place of prayer again, there was a young girl, a female slave, and she was demon-possessed, and she would predict the future. She was a captive and oppressed by the evil one and used by people who used her to make their own money. She followed Paul and the rest of us and she would shout out what appears to be the truth. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she did that several times, followed them around. And it's advertising, but it's advertising by the enemy. The Apostle Paul doesn't want to be associated anyway with Satan. And he was also, I think, the next verse says that he was annoyed. I don't think he's annoyed at her. I think he's annoyed at Satan. And I think he's annoyed at the owners who are using her. And Paul says, enough is enough. So he turns around, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At once, the Spirit left her. Now, we're not told she became a believer, but I think she did, and she becomes a member of the church. Notice the contrast, a woman, a businesswoman, upper refuge of society, a very wealthy lady, and a slave girl down here. God works for all sorts of peoples, and they all get saved the same way, through Jesus. There's only one way. Um... There's a response to that. The owners realise that their source of income has been taken away, so they're furious and they come attack Paul and they make all sorts of accusations and address them to the magistrates. The crowd joined in, attacking Paul, and the magistrates, the police, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods, with sticks, like they do in Singapore. There's no limit. There's not a limit like in the Jewish society where there's 40 stripes or less. Not in Roman society. It could have been hundreds. After they had severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and commanded to guard them carefully. The Roman centurion, when he heard that, put them in the inner cell. In Roman prisons, there are three sections to it, and each one is darker and more secure. There's the outer one, which is open to the light and the fresh air, and that's for very minor misdemeanors. The second one is the interior, and that's where you've done something wrong, you're behind bars, but you're not in stocks. The inner one is the most secure of all. It's dark, 
your, your hands are in stocks and your feet are separated and you're lying on the floor and they're in stocks. You're in a most uncomfortable position in the inner prison. Not going well, is it? At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. You know why they were doing that? Because they couldn't sleep. Who could sleep? They're being built, beaten. They're in an uncomfortable position. They're not angry at God. It's marvellous, their attitude of heart. They maintain their focus of joy in him. God's going to do something here, and God does. God sends an earthquake, a violent earthquake. It's a weird earthquake, because the foundations of the temple are shaken. The doors fly open, and the chains are loosened from the wall. We're not told the chains are loosened from their wrists. So they could very well still be chained up. Not sure. But the doors are open, the chains are out of the wall. What would you do? Get up and get out, wouldn't you? What does the Apostle Paul do? Well, he stays put. The, the earthquake wakes the Roman centurion up, the jailer up, who's supposed to be awake because he's guarding them. Um, when he sees the doors open, he thinks they've gone. So he takes the sword and he's going to kill himself because he would have suffered the penalty of their fate. They sing out, you know, don't kill yourself, we're all here. He comes in, takes them out. What must I do to be saved? I know of one story of one, a pastor friend of mine, Bill was his name, Bill Pratt, who's no longer a pastor now. He was in his office one day and he had a knock at the door. And a person came from the community, complete stranger to him, never met him before, knocked on the door, Bill opened the door and he said, what do I have to do to be saved? Remarkable what God can do. They, of course, say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Not do this, come to church, give your money, do this, do that. Probably, they did say, become Baptist just to be safe. <laughs> no, they don't. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. That's not automatic. It's for everybody. If they hear and believe, then they can be saved too. And they do. Paul t- talks to the whole, everybody in his household, the servants, the kids, the family, everybody. And they hear and respond and believe, and they're all baptised. And um, the guy gives them a meal to eat, washes their wounds. That's now getting late morning, you know, early hours of the morning. And guess what the prisoner, the jailer does? Takes them back to prison. He locks them up again. That's his duty. Because the next morning, the magistrates send and say, you know, you didn't go free. It's wonderful. He would have been very excited. The Apostle Paul says, uh-uh, just push the pause button. Three divine encounters. God is working through everyday circumstances, directing Paul. And here he just turns up at this meeting, has a conversation. Lydia becomes a believer. Walking along and somebody behind him is shouting out and he deals with that. God transforms all sorts of people through Jesus. Satan always seeks to hinder the gospel and he'll seek to hinder you. He'll put obstacles in your path. He'll make you sick. He'll give you an accident. You know, things will happen and that he can be behind it. Just be alert. God opens hearts and other people harden their hearts. God opened Lydia's heart. The owners of the slave girl, they hardened their hearts. This wasn't what they wanted, so they rejected it. Um, It's a choice. We have to make our own choice. Time has gone, but what to do when you're wrong? This is what happens. Daylight, the magistrates come. You can go free, said all of that. 
Paul says, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and they threw us in prison. You have broken the law. You have offended us. You're in trouble. And now you want us to just leave quietly? I don't think so. You guys have done the wrong thing, and you need to fix it. When the uh, officer conveys that to the police or convey it to the magistrates, when they heard it, they were alarmed. They were frightened. Because what they did was unjust, and Roman law would have penalised them. They would have copped exactly the same punishment. And they knew it. They came to appease them. We're so sorry, please forgive us. We didn't want to do that. Please come with us. And, you know, they give them a, a wonderful escort from the prison, publicly requesting... Could you please leave? The Apostle Paul and Silas do leave. When they left prison, they went to the house of Lydia. If that happened on a Saturday, when they're going to the house of prayer, when the demon girl cast her out and the beating and get thrown in prison, that was Saturday night, then this is Sunday morning. They go to Lydia's house. Church is gathered together. Luke and Timothy are there, along with the Roman jailer, I guess, and maybe Lydia and the slave girl. Well, they met with the brothers and sisters, encouraged them, then they left. Paul left the Philippian church with a security that they wouldn't be attacked by the officials because they had something on them. And the Apostle Paul over the years would become very close to the Philippian church. In 90 seconds, what do you do like the Apostle Paul and Silas were mistreated? What happens when you're mistreated? What should you do? Well, do what they did. Number one... You can count on it, you're going to be mistreated. If you've never been mistreated, if you've never been falsely accused, if you've never been unjustly dealt with, just live a bit longer. It'll happen. We live in a fallen, broken world. What do you do? One, keep your focus on Jesus and your joy in him. Could Jesus stop it? Of course he could. Does he stop it? No. Why? He's got a reason. Keep your eyes on him. Lord, you've got a purpose. Work your purpose out. Number two, keep your witness to others in mind at all times. Respond. Don't react. Don't try and get even. You're a follower of the Lord Jesus. Represent him even in the way you respond to mistreatment. Number three, trust God to work whatever it is he's doing. Work it out for his purposes and for his glory. God is at work in us. We are his chosen instruments. He's placed us in the situations we are in. When bad things happen, when difficult things happen, he's still at work. He hasn't forgotten you. He's working stuff out. Trust him. And number four, know when and why to stand up for the right thing. Sometimes we do that far too quickly. Don't stand up for yourself. That's know when and why to do the right thing for others. Do the right thing for others not just for yourself okay summary whoops god's spirit guides us through right opportunities share the gospel first paragraph god works through chosen instruments to save all sorts of people through the gospel satan always arranges opposition to his to god's chosen instruments he'll oppose you and number four when wronged remain a faithful witness focused on jesus and his purposes i'm sorry that's gone very quickly but they are the two words you've been waiting to hear for the last 10 minutes. The end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story and for the reminder. You guide us. You go before us.
Help us to be patient and wise. Help us to be discerning when you're closing a door. And Lord, for us to remain active but submissive. Likewise, help us to check any revelations you give us or visions with one another. Uh, and Lord, thank you for the promise that you, the steps of a righteous person are directed by the Lord. So Lord, direct our steps. Um, have your way in each of us. Give us discernment when it's the evil one who is opposing us. And open our eyes, Lord, to the opportunities that you're leading us into. Your divine guidance and divine appointments. Go before us in the days of this week and use us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer, whether you've got a dog with you or not, you can, <laughs> you can come forward.